I drew the short stick today to start this one. So today we're going to kind of talk about uh, trash breaking. Um, we're, well, we'll cover some other topics too, but trash breaking a hound is where we're going to start out of the conversation. Uh, we got Ross Ellinger. El El How do you sell your name, Ross? Jason did a lot better than you did. Ellinger. Uh, El Jason's a go. nice guy. You got to have the Wisconsinite. Nice Jason, maybe you should just do all the intros from here on out. <laughs> That'd make Buddy's day. He's loading dogs and out of here by the end of it. You just won yourself a job. Yeah, <laughs> that happens. I'm okay with that. Like I say, Jason, I'm, I'm grooming you to take over, and I'm, I'm going to be out in the woods. Yeah. So. Uh, and then we also got Jared Moss with us. Yeah. How are you guys doing uh, today? Awesome. So, and more uh, than just trash breaking, buddy, we're talking about timing of trash breaking. Do you just want to do this and, yourself, or? You well, no. I mean, if you do a better job, I wouldn't have to. But <laughs> All right. he, he kind of sounds like my wife right now. Wants me to do something, but then I'm out. Complains about it. The whole time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. You, uh, Ross, like, you're cutting out there. You're breaking up. I think you were saying Jason kind of sounds like the wife. <laughs> <Your not>. wife. <laughs> Doesn't I look, get that a lot. Doesn't look like her, that's for sure. Hey, go do this. Oh, wait, but let me tell you how to do it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So, um, given some tips and some tricks on the process of, of breaking a dog or, or trash breaking a dog or getting it to do things that maybe it naturally wants to do. Is that a fair, a fair statement or fair assumption of what we're going to try and talk about? I'm going to take that as a yes. Like All right. So, Jason, what's your first, when you put a dog in there, what, I mean, what's your first step on a in, in trash breaking? I mean, what what do you think about? When's the first time you... You're asking like I know what I'm doing, and I'm okay, still well, figuring a lot of this next, out. Next, <laughs> Ross. <laughs> no. <laughs> to me, um, as I've progressed and, and matured in my training, I've learned that... You know, right out of the gate, a lot of guys, they'll have that dog that bumps a deer, you know, or a puppy that wants to trail off on a deer or a skunk or this or that, and they'll just go to negative reinforcement right away. A skunk, well, I might. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but it, that kind of gives its own negative as soon as it gets caught. You know, that's like a self-correction right there. But, you know, like if you've got a, let's say a six-month-old pup first trip to the woods and it wants to trail off on a deer... I'm going to call it back, but I'm sure not going to hit it, you know, with an, an electronic shock or, you know, anything that can be damaging to that dog's progression down the road, because I want them to learn not to chase this specific thing, but I don't want it to learn, Hey, I'm not supposed to leave on scent. You know, it's a, it's a specific scent. So like if I got a six month old dog that wants to kind of trail on a deer, if I call it and it doesn't come back, I'm looking at it more as a correction of, you know, my command and you should be coming. I'm not looking at using that as necessarily a trash breaking point. If that makes any sense. I I'm really a big fan of seeing that dog's drive and let it realize, yes, it's supposed to be out hunting. It's supposed to be following scent. And then we can fine tune and hone that in later. I don't know. I'm probably one of the only ones that do that. Maybe. I don't know. I was sleeping. Sorry. If you're gonna run, if you're gonna run trash, run it to catch it. If you run to catch it, it shows me you got the drive and it's time to start breaking you. Right. Yeah. If that makes more sense, that dog will tell you when it's running that deer 
balls out, you can go ahead and correct that dog. That's the time. But when it's just kind of sniffing on a track and you bump it with an e-collar, you know, it's like this shocking moment for a dog. And I think it can really hinder progress down the road. Yeah, I disagree, but um, move on, Ross. Which, no, 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 no. I want to hear yours. <laughs> well, I, I, I definitely agree with what you're saying there. If a dog's like connected and locked onto that thing, you know, that's a, a good time to introduce negative um, stimulus. But um, I try to be a lot more softer on my trash breaking experience so that it happens more naturally. You know, that's just mm-hmm. what I've come to. I've, I've come to the fact, and and I rarely have to hit a dog with any force that's not just a nick you know what i mean just just a just enough to change their um refocus refocus and so and by then what what i do is is um i just i rode my dogs past it so the older dogs naturally don't want to go after the deer the young dog will start going and i'm like have at it peace out and and i'll try to make that dog run a mile to two miles to catch up to me if i can i mean if i can get those dogs if i can get around the corner and so my dogs are my dogs are trained to load up when I tell them. So like if I if I just I'm like, hey Bonnie, load up, 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 up. You know, so I'm like talking quietly and I'm trying to get all the old dogs to load up on my truck, and then I can be like, Wah! and I can burn up and just get half mile, three quarters of a mile, and then I'll put the other old dogs back on the ground, and so they're roading because I don't want the pup knowing that I'm like getting in the truck and hauling ass. I don't want her thinking Dad's trying to leave me. I want the pups thinking they left. Right. So. So I don't want them to catch me very easily. So I try to get that distance. Anyways, that's my process, but it's 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 worked for me, at least so far, that those dogs get back and they're like, hey, no wonder dogs are coming, and they hit the road and they're like, oh, and then they got to trail us, and so they're normally tired and running, and it's like, man, you do that a couple times, and a dog kind of gets tired of of that, you know? It's like, man, I got to run twice as hard to catch up with these. <laughs> These dogs, mm-hmm. for whatever, they normally walk at a slow pace or they jog at a slow pace. But for whatever reason, when I smell a deer and I go on a deer, they like hit They're 25 like miles. They're like rodent at a, at a fast pace. It was, so that's my process. I want a negative experience, but I don't want to be the one given the negative experience. I want the dog to experience a negative yeah. in the process without me pushing the button. Um, so so I, I try not to push the button as much as I can. Yeah. That, that is my answer. That's why I disagree. Is it just because I no. try not? I'm not. My goal isn't to push the button. My goal is to teach the dog without pushing the button that we just don't mess oh, with that. And maybe I didn't portray that right. I'm the same way. You know, if a dog's smelling a deer and I'm going down the road and it's a puppy, I expect it to be the last one back in front of the truck because I'm going to keep going and I'm going to say, you know, get ahead. And that dog's going to have to figure it out on its own. And I'll use a tone you know, primarily. I can't remember the last time I, you know, bumped a dog for something like that, but. It's just creating that consistency. You know, that dog's learning, hey, I'm going to stay as a pack. But I don't know how that affects them down the road. You know, like I've seen the independence on my dogs go down because of that. They more work as a team than if I were to turn like my old style of dogs loose. They would go out and just grub it up and hunt their own. But I had a totally different method at that point in time. And and I definitely add to that that. I've had situations where my whole pack has wanted to kind of go a little loosey goosey. And that's when the thunder comes. I mean, at that point, I don't want to say like I'm shocking on max, but that's where a tone's in there. I'm yelling at, I mean, when the pack does it, that's, that's when dad's not happy. You know what I mean? So there's situations that if I think 
the whole pack starting to get a little loosey goosey or whatever. I mean, I'm probably way different. And that's not one that's just like, oh, da, da, da. and it's like, no, no, we screwed up. We got to fix it. Yeah. So now yeah. these guys can tell us why we're both wrong. Yeah. No, we got the professionals <laughs> here. So we can be like, yeah, we, this is what we think. Ross, why don't you take her? Well, with my, with our line of blue ticks, we breed, um, I mean, we're, we're primarily breeding bear dogs. Uh, you know, the, the dogs that do well on bear and do what we want on bear, those are the dogs that are getting bred. And so naturally the dogs, um, I, I feel like in our line prefer bear. Um, obviously there's different levels to that. Some, some dogs will just run whatever, whatever they can. So I, I try to give the dogs the benefit of the doubt that if I can create enough positive experiences with them on a bear, they will kind of naturally break themselves. You know, they, it's bred into them, into them to run bear. So, you know, hopefully if I can just keep putting them on bears day after day, after day, after day, they, they just kind of naturally realize, okay, I'm, I'm supposed to be running a bear. Um, it, you know, in the event you do, and obviously it does happen, you get those dogs that want to run whatever. Um, you know, a dog goes through different stages. You know, when they're a puppy, you got to teach them that that's not what they're supposed to run. Now, if I got my six or seven year old bear dog, that's a start dog. And he decides that he's going to run a deer. I'm going to treat that way differently. He's been taught. He needs to have, he needs to have a, a, a consequence, you know, for that, for that decision. Um, and, and to tie it into bird dogs, it's kind of the same way when you're teaching a dog to, to stand on point over a bird. Um, and it happens to take a step or move that that correction is going to be way different than my dog that um has a, a master hunt title and um and knows that she's supposed to stand there and and is just trying to pull a fast one that day basically you know it's going to be a completely different level of correction so you got to teach the dog hopefully they'll they'll learn um on their own that hey we're out here for bears we're not out here for deers we're not out here for for coyote whatever hopefully they'll learn that on their own just by getting put in that in that position a bunch of times but you know if, if they are straying off then then you, you got to teach them before you can really start um you, you know just putting your alpha up to 18 and letting it rip is is not not the right not the right way to to teach a dog um yeah not to run a deer you're going to teach them not to do something but i'm not sure that you're necessarily going to be teaching them not to run a deer yeah, uh, it was, was it Brett? It was one of the, the interviews that they did where he talked about putting a deer in a, yeah, in a barrel yeah. and rolling deer down the, the hill and just go, well, did it break the deer from running deer? No, but it sure broke that dog from wanting to go into a barrel. <laughs> Getting a barrel. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 So. I have, I'm kind of curious, Ross, where, where you grew up with hounds and then you've added the bird dogs, um, yeah, the training and stuff now that you've done a bunch of bird dog training, do you feel like you learned anything from the bird dog side that, that helps or influences the way that you break your hounds now? Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's having, having the bird dogs has just taught me a lot more about dogs in general. And I've yeah. learned a lot more about what I just told, I mean, 10 years ago, um, if I had a six month old puppy that run a deer, I might've shocked him on a, maybe not a 18, but a 10 or a 12, um, mm. you know, and I, and I probably wouldn't have realized that 
he's he's not you know it's possible that he's associating that with running a deer but you know there, there's no guarantee that that's what's happening whereas now that i've gotten more into the bird dog stuff i i understand more how a dog thinks and and how you need to make sure that that they're having the right association to that correction yeah um you know 20 years ago before we had alphas you might if you got a dog that's prone to run a deer you might take them on a leash and walk them up to that that deer track and you know start whipping them with a stick or something and you know that's not something that i would ever consider doing today just you know what are you teaching that dog well that dog is not going to want to hunt on a leash from now on i can tell you that because <laughs> every time he's on a leash and you walk him up to a track he's you know so right. yeah it, it's 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 really changed um my my perspective on on just making sure that you're getting the right association with the correction and it's not always easy to do you know we can no. control the environment with bird dogs a lot more than we can right. with hounds you know yeah and you can simulate yes. and simulate something with bird dogs and with hounds it's tough yeah, that, yeah that's probably the biggest thing is you can you it's easier for you to recreate or or, or make a positive experience with the bird dog so you know going and getting birds or training birds or whatever you can right I think that's easier for a bird dog guy to be Way like, okay, well, we, we did this bad, but then you want to end on a good note or, you know, yeah. <laughs> canned hunt. Yeah, if I could ever figure out how to get 100 lines in a month, that'd be great. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, or 100, right. 100 yeah. bears in a week. That's one That's one neat thing about bird dogs is you can show them several hundred birds in a month, you know, and you can make a ton of progress. It just You just physically can't do that in the hound world. I wish... I wish you could. When, <laughs> people a lot get more discouraged. Time. A lot more Because time. like you said, you can throw a dog 100 birds in a week. You know, we look at experiences while this dog is three years old. Well, when you only hunt that dog twice a month, you know, for X amount of years, and you can go put a bird dog on 100 pieces of game in a week, that, that makes a huge difference. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Major difference. Man, I would echo I would echo everything you guys are saying. Uh, coming from the bird dog side into the hound side, I found myself giving a lot of um, vocal vocal correction, and so I would just because I was so hands on with my bird dogs and we had a relationship from a puppy, and I was teaching them no all the time. I kind of carried that into the hound world where it was like, if they're, for example, we're going down the road some elk run across the road in front of us the puppy sticks his head out there and he's got his nose in the air just a whiff in that elk track i find myself sticking my head out the window going ah and the dog mm -hmm. goes oh well we're not after that so i think that's one thing that's carried over from the bird dog world is i'm pretty vocal with my hounds uh good bad or otherwise i can control them a lot with a vocal and associate i think ross is spot on with association as a trainer, it's, as a handler, as the owner, it's your job to make sure that you're communicating, hey, that association with that thing means this. Right. When I gave you that correction, it's because of this. Or I, yeah, you know, or whether it's vocal, stimulus, whatever it is, your so that association is huge. And waiting for the right opportunity. You know what yeah. I mean? Like sometimes, sometimes it's just not set up right that you just got to, pass on the situation and be like yeah we got there's a better there's gonna be a better time. time you know, maybe the dog's too young or it hasn't had any positive reinforcement 
one of the topics we talked about beforehand was um, waiting for the right opportunity. We're waiting for the dog to have some positive before we, you know, correct the negative, you know. And so, um, you know, not just taking a young dog that is just learning to trail and learning to sniff or, you know, on a hound world, you know. I, I'm, I'm assuming on a bird, it's like, man, if, if the dog is just barely learning birds, you're not going to break it off of a rabbit jumping up in front of it. I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. but Yeah. Um, I think a good measuring a stick pot. for that is maturity level of the of the dog, right? So I, I, a lot of times we're, we're using age as the, as the measuring stick and saying, hey, this dog's a year old and he should be able to do this, or he's six months old and I should be able to do that. Just go on the maturity level. I think that's a great way to look at it is like, oh, like Ross was saying, I've got a six-year-old dog that's that's been run on bears his whole life, and the reaction I'm going to have when he tries to start a deer race is different than the reaction I'm going to have with a six-month-old puppy. Yeah. Yeah. Ross, we wrapped, we, we cover that. You got more? Yeah, I, I was just going to, well, I was just going to touch on, you know, we talked about making sure that you get a, the correct association with the, with the correction. And, you know, you're not going to have that correct association unless that dog has, you know, been in my situation, been put on a bunch of bears first. Um, you know, before you start breaking them off that game, you know, the the dog's got to realize, okay, well, I just ran six bears and I didn't get this, I didn't get this correction. And now all of a sudden I ran this deer. Um, and now I am getting a correction. Um, you know, so that, that helps with the, with the association as well as, you know, probably maturing the dog a little bit just by running more tracks and, and, uh, building up that, that prey drive. And that can be really, I mean, you say that, and I'm just going to preface it that 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 is a difficult task to do for, especially for a, a new person who's just listening in, like, you know, Roger, we're like, oh yeah, you go catch six or six to eight bears, and well, and, yeah, I, or, or cat. I in my with, situation, it's cats, right? Because I want to run you know, sixty bears in three months, probably every summer. So exactly. it's a little easier for me than a lot of people. But, but yeah. somebody new, yeah, yeah. But we got we got to back up a little bit because I I, I clearly we're, we're talking as you know established hunters and houndsmen who have a pack. We have already made some form of success in whatever that is. So we got to take a step back to go, okay, you know what I mean? It's easy to be like, oh, yeah, go put them on six or eight bears. I can tell you it'll take me four years, five years to get six or eight bears. I'm like, well, I got a five-year-old dog. I'm never shocked. You know, um, so thinking about it from a new person, you know what I mean? We got we to gotta really remember who the audience here is. It may be very difficult for them to just get that many bears so you got to find a mentor you know what i mean you got to do what you can to get that success because that's yeah start starting off by yourself just taking a bunch of dogs out that are green it's gonna you're you're gonna struggle you're not gonna first off you're probably not gonna know if they're running trash until it's far too late (laughs) too late in my situation we're turning (laughs) six dogs out and i got a dog out there that's seven and i know he's not running a deer and right you know, a couple of the young ones all of a sudden take a Y. Well, okay, what are they doing here? You know, because yeah. I doubt that seven-year-old's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. So, yeah, starting off by yourself, it's tough. You're going to have growing pains. I mean, yeah. um, one last thought there, and I think Ross was alluding to this before we 
kicked on and started recording was make sure you're building the prey drive in those dogs and those young dogs. Get the prey drive going so when you add a little bit of molding or correction or conditioning, whatever words you want to use, it's it's really simple for them, right? With a bird dog, we can show him multiple birds, get him so jacked up about birds, and then to add in a gunfire or to add in a something is pretty simple because yeah. the prey drive is lit up. So if you're young and, and, and you're starting out, don't build the prey drive. Err on the side of building prey drive through the roof, and then you're less likely to mess that dog up. Yeah. And as I think, even back on my training, I'm at a level now where I talk about um, you know, just roading dogs past so much. I'm like, so I just, I just, I just picked on you, Ross, and I do the same exact thing as I just told a story. Was I reflect and I go, man, I did the same thing because because my program is uh, um, based on having dogs, and I have a pack of dogs that are fairly well experienced, you know, four, five, six, eight years old. That I can do the same thing. I'm like, well, that dog's not going to do this, or that dog's not going to do that, and so I'm training a pup with a pack of dogs behind it, which is a lot easier than it was in the beginning. So if I had to reflect and think for somebody starting out, um, there's two, there's two methods. One is I'm kind of a do it yourself kind of guy. So I like doing things myself. And if you like misery, that's, that's definitely an option. But like Ross says, Jared is like, you got a lot of misery coming. I mean, you have a lot of misery coming to do this from scratch with puppies to get to the point where you want to be. If you can, the other way is, is to get a, a, a finished dog or, or, you know, a, a well-started dog. I mean, there's a couple, you know, options, you know, and, and yeah. ideally get a mentor or somebody because they're going to be the key, at least for my success to, to doing that. You know what I mean? Um, or you get in snow, you know what I mean? And try and go, or you can visually see and you can help the dogs, you know, there's a couple different ways you got to think about what it is going to be your your plan to do it but yeah snow's um, a game changer because at least you can put your walking shoes on and make sure they're staying on task but yeah without snow and stuff exactly so so yeah as, as a new person you gotta you've got to get past that you got to find a way to identify when they're doing good and when they're doing bad and and that can be very difficult without a good dog snow or a good mentor you know I mean? you need you need some of that you know or, or or just a lot of boot leather and and heartache you know one of those options is is what you gotta choose it's a multiple question multiple answer multiple whatever you call it multiple choice so um jared you want to wrap this one up it's talking about I don't know if we got off track a little bit, but, you know, talking about breaking. And yeah, just just using, uh, being consistent in that trash breaking, making sure you're balancing things out. Um, communication, association, you know, understanding as a trainer what, when, when that dog is doing something and being able to read the dog. If you're just starting out, don't expect to understand that because, man, that can take that can take a decade. <laughs> Every time I think I'm getting really good at reading dogs, I'm, I'm, uh, there's always something else to learn. So don't get frustrated. I think that's the biggest thing I could tell. If you're a first time guy, you know, hold that frustration for after the training session and then call Ross and ask him what the heck he did wrong. Yeah. Call buddy and ask him, ask him what he did wrong. 
Don't ask me. I, I'm still doing them wrong. I'm like I always, I always say, we, like we do it nice because we do it twice. So, <laughs> all right. Well, let's wrap that one up. Um, so, I, I wish I had a better answer for the new guys. I mean, like, it, at least on the hound side of thing, just taking a single dog, and and being successful. It's not that it can't be done, but it is a very challenging. I mean, I can't understate the the challenge that you're you're setting yourself up for. I mean, it's well, you did I mean, mention something there that makes it easier. Don't don't take eight of them out. You know, yeah. if you're starting out by yourself, take one or two because yeah. you got eight. You know, eight dogs are a lot more likely to do something they're not supposed to than one or two are. They just feed off each other, and it you know it, it'll turn into a shit show in a hurry. But if you got one or yeah. two, your damage is a little more a little more minimal. Yeah. And I think that's probably a mistake a lot of young, young or new people make is they get into it and they see somebody who's running four or five or six or 10 dogs. And so um, they assume that's what you got to do. And so you start collecting dogs before you're ready to be <laughs> that leader. You know what I mean? That, could be, that, that should be, we'll have to do that for the next podcast, but um starting with one or two dogs is much better to get that, you know, that base before you're trying to change four or five dogs. If you can spend the time with that one dog and get that one dog locked in. Yeah. Then, you know, then you could start adding a couple more because now you got a, now you got a measuring stick or, a, mm-hmm. you know, or a, something yeah. to go off. of. Yeah. That was the second thing that I did um, to be successful is one, and I don't know if it was the last podcast we just did or not, but one was I started focusing. I, I, I didn't chase as many different animals. I, I started focusing on cats. And the other was I lowered my dog count. And, and that's, those two things were critical to me, not chasing as much off game and, and starting to be successful because I was getting fewer dogs and running fewer games. So I was really getting more specific. So Awesome. That was a good one. We're going to wrap this one up.